Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Hello everybody, it's a real world road test here on the Radio Show Limited network of audio and visual channels. I'm John Hindhoff and today our subject standing in front of me presented in what the manufacturer calls a Navara blue, a very lovely dark blue metallic, is an Audi and this is a Q7. We've had a number of Q7s down through the years featuring in these real world road tests. This one is a drivetrain that we haven't had before. It is the TFSIE Quattro Q755. Real World Road Tests on RadioLeMond.com. Right, well, I don't have to tell you too much about the Audi Q7, their biggest car in terms of the SUV, although in this dark blue colour, it actually makes the car look way smaller than it is. There's a lovely bit of styling uh, on the sides of these cars with the slightly Quattro-esque, UR Quattro-esque flared arches that you see through the rear view. I like the uh, way the windows taper down at the back, sort of almost Range Rover or even Rolls-Royce Cullinan uh, on that, and it brings the roof line down. There is a coupe, of course, which is the Q8, but this is the more standard uh, rear end on the standard Q7. Uh, this car at just under £77,000 in the UK is pretty well appointed for all of that. And we'll get to the inside rather quicker than normal because it's quite blowy and chilly out here uh, at the moment. Uh, running on 21-inch wheels with 285-40 tyres on them, a multi-spoke uh, dark grey and machined silver which um, really looks very good indeed and uh, surprisingly doesn't affect the ride quite as much I want to get inside but before I do let's just look at the rear end of this car and particularly the boot itself because this is a big car a lot of people um, have it in for SUVs but I can really understand why people choose them i'm underneath the electrically operated boot now this uh, uh, suspension will drop if you wanted to all the cables are scattered in the boot at the moment it's a reasonably sized boot but it's got quite a high floor and because the almost 18 kilowatt battery pack is underneath there you lose quite a bit of luggage space there's still plenty of room in there don't get me wrong but what you don't have uh, on this car of course is the third row of seats uh, that's disappeared because again the battery pack is where they would fall into so this is only a five seater but what a five seater let me close the boot and the first thing I'm going to do is to sit in behind my driving position it's uh, grey and uh, it's grey leather uh, and 
a little bit of grey Alcantara or something similar. And let me just get in and shut this rear door. No soft close on this one, although it is uh, an option. But I, I do think this is a, a really nice spec. Um, the rear seats slide forwards uh, to give you more space in the back if you want to. My seat uh, uh, in front of me, the seat in front of me, the driver's seat, is set for me to drive this car. And there is a good probably four and a half, five inches of gap between my knees and the back of that seat, which is sculpted to give you a wee bit more room. Headroom is extraordinary. Uh, and that, again, would be a good four inches. And I'm quite long in the body. So, very, very nice place to be. It's privacy glass from the B pillars backwards. The rear seats do uh, move around and recline. There's a couple of power points here. Um, also, some controls for the heating and air conditioning in the back. Um, no heated seats on this one in the back, but again, that, that's an option. Um, nice, even though this is tinted glass in the back, the window rail is well below my shoulder level so actually in a sea of gray and gray um this is quite a light airy place to be you know you're in an audi there's there's no doubt uh, about that the uh, rear seat passengers are well looked after um it is a three seat in the back if you want to sit in the middle seat there's a nice fold down armrest uh, as well do you know what? I think I'll just sit here and uh, talk you through the the front end, the business end. Um, it's triple TFT screens now with uh, a double deck one in the middle, uh, which controls pretty much everything. Audi haven't gone the full touch screen route. There's still uh, some actual physical controls for things like heated rear screen, uh, maximum air conditioning, the drive select, uh, hazard flashes, four-wheel flashes, some of the parking bits and pieces, uh, and uh, handbrake and automatic uh, automatic handbrake uh, uh, function as well. Um, but generally speaking, there's an awful lot that you have to do on the touchscreen. I still think some of the more obvious things are pretty far away. I've programmed this one uh, so that the heated steering wheel, um, which will please Nick Damon very much indeed, because he's a big fan of heated steering wheels, um, is on the asterisk, the programmable button on the steering wheel. There isn't actually a, phys a physical button for on there. I've looked all over. I thought it would be in the middle spoke. It's not. And otherwise, that's down through three different levels to switch it on and off within the uh, within the control settings. But that's the beauty of these cars. You can pretty much customise it uh, and the displays to any way you want. The annoying parts of the safety controls, so lane assist and all of that, can mostly be turned off with a single long press of the button on the end of the indicator stalk, although the hats, that has to be done every time the car's been switched off for any amount of time. But you can... Again, within your own profile, set it up so that the drive assists are at maximum, individual or basic. Um, I tend to leave it on basic and then you can turn the other stuff off um, and on as you require it. Uh, two different levels of lane control. Uh, one that's on all the time and one that comes on with your radar-assisted um, distance speed control, ACC, automatic cruise control. Um, as I say, both of those on one single button, 
that you can uh, fire up or leave off as you wish. I, I want to get this out straight away. This is a tremendous piece of kit. We have potted up and back, and I use that word advisedly, to Sunderland and to South Shields in the northeast of England, from where we are in the centre of England, uh, over a, a sort of two day period. Went up one day, st- stayed overnight, came back the next day, ran around, saw some relatives and friends, and came back down again. Um, easily achievable on a tank of fuel, and absolutely the perfect car for the windy rainy conditions up and down mainly a motorway but we've got about 25 miles of air roads to get to the a1 going north and subsequently obviously on the way back as well Uh, this car is a tremendous car Uh, for its size and its weight it's nearly 2500 kilos uh the audi engineers again Nowadays, the heroes, I think, of pretty much all the premium manufacturers are the suspension and uh, other engineers, the suspension and chassis engineers, because how they manage to conceal a car's bulk is is beyond my knowledge. The car rides really well, despite being on 21s with 40 series sidewalls. I've had it on the most dynamic of suspension settings all the time that does certainly help to contain the bulk but even on the worst of north northamptonshire's roads and they are pretty bad uh, this car has never been anything other than poised being the 55 rather than the 60 55 60 45 35 that now for audi and has been for a while denotes how much power you've got and when you add the three liter v6 petrol engine on this car to the the electric motor it's about 375 380 brake horsepower which is more than adequate but as i said it's a big heavy car put your foot down and the 0 to 62 is under six seconds which not that long ago would have been if not supercar territory certainly not to be sniffed at And in a car that's two and a half metric tons, it's pretty impressive. It stops well too, as well as handling beautifully. Corners so flat, it's incredible. But this is not a car you want to throw around. The 60 has a little more power from the engine and a little bigger battery. This almost 18 kilowatt battery, Audi will tell you that it'll do somewhere around 30 miles uh, it was indicated at 32 when i charged it up before we headed up the road to head north um what i've had on pure battery power which i've done um back down to my local supermarket and uh, back home that is a 28 mile run i got just over 26 miles on very very gentle running so i would think somewhere between 20 25 26 uh, that was at eight and a half degrees celsius uh, so not particularly hot not particularly cold so let's put this in context this is a very traditional looking feeling and indeed sounding petrol engined suv in the premium stroke luxury sector it's does everything that you would expect it to do 
at least as well as the opposition. Um, I'm, you know, I've been in various Audis down the years. I find it easy to get on with all the controls. I like the way they handle. Uh, it's a car that's purposeful from the outside without being overly aggressive in my mind. Um, and it's super comfy on the inside. So great, big ticks for Audi in all of that. They've done a smashing job on this. But here's where I think the whole plug-in hybrids concept has to be questioned. And again, I am not criticising this car and neither am I criticising Audi. The run up and back to the northeast, just over 500 miles. Um, for the way up, we had the 29, 30 miles of battery power. Tried to charge it whilst we were up there. Stuck it on a charger for two and a half hours. Um, and ultimately, unfortunately, um, the charge failed. And the app that I just downloaded didn't give me the message. So I came back to no charge. That wasn't a problem. Still had plenty of fuel in the tank to get back down the road. However, that does affect the, uh, the efficiency of the car. If this was just a 3-litre diesel, then the range would be something over 500 miles, getting close to 600 miles. You'd have more space in the boot. And, incredibly, the car would be 300 kilograms lighter. I've looked up the numbers. So that's basically three passengers, isn't it? Or two passengers and a bit of luggage. Quite a bit of luggage. When you consider you're only allowed to take, what, 23 kilos um on, onto a plane so that's a, a couple or three big bags and two passengers I suppose that's the way you would look at it I like this car for doing long journeys so it ate it up and if I'm brutally honest when we were cruising along at 65 70 miles an hour 66 67 by where this car is just purring along and it's it uses on the intelligent part of the auto hybrid it uses and deploys the battery energy um, in the most efficient way so of the first 100 miles or so of our journey north we'd only used about five miles in inverted commas worth of of electric power and it's doing that to help you get up hills, to help you pull away from junctions. When you are cruising along, um, it'll coast. Uh, so it's very clever. And so on the way up, not bad. We were we were tickling 40 miles to the gallon. Now, I'd have expected to get that from the diesel. Um, we'll come back to that in a moment. But at those speeds, the car is so refined. You don't know whether you're on electric power. You don't know whether you're on petrol engine power, TFSI power. And frankly, I don't think it makes a difference for a, for a car like this. This isn't a car that you buy, and particularly not this version of the car. It is not the car. You're not buying the SQ8 or something like that with the big V8 that burbles. You're not buying this car for the sound of the internal combustion engine. You're buying this car because you want to get somewhere safely with the... Uh, insurance of quattro and in supreme comfort and whether this car's got a three litre petrol engine or a huge battery and it's pottering along at, at 65 70 it makes no difference whatsoever to what's going on on the inside that isn't part 
of the driving experience. You're just eating up miles. You are crushing the kilometres. And at that point, I don't think it matters what your motive power is. Where this car really comes into its own, bizarrely, is not for the long journey. It's for the short journey. When you're jumping in this to nip to the supermarket or back, or take your kids to school or to their drama class or football game or whatever it is, and you're plugging it in at home, and even on a, a domestic outlet, you're going to charge this car up in around about five or six hours, uh, maybe a little bit more, on a seven kilowatt charger, public charger, it's uh, just on three hours. And that's going to give you another 30 miles. And the car's brilliant. And you drive it normally. I didn't, you don't drive, I didn't drive it particularly any differently. I'm pretty soft on the, the throttle anyway. But really, this isn't, you wouldn't think this was a car for short journeys. So in that way, it's challenging its stereotype. It's a big SUV. Don't use it for short journeys. Oh, now hang on a minute though. I'm on zero emissions when I'm using it for me short journeys. Oh. So that does pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And where I think also the conventional wisdom is somewhat challenged is I want to use the the petrol engine for long journeys. Well, but for the long journeys, it's not that efficient. And a non-hybrid car would be better and I'd get better mileage out of it. So it's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? And I think that's where the whole plug-in hybrids concept leaves us a little bit scratching our head or at least me if you can't charge this either at home or even on a reasonably placed public charger i have to say the one i was going to use up in durham was 56p per kilowatt hour um so that would have been let's round it up that would have been just under a tenner for 30 miles um that's effectively just under um, well, certainly under 20 miles to the gallon if you looked at petrol prices at the moment. So that's not particularly cost-effective, neither is it that efficient. If you can't charge it up, you're lugging around 300 kilos that is basically not doing anything. It's just extra weight, which affects everything you do. Accelerate, brake, and get through your petrol a little bit quicker. And whilst we're talking about statistics... For 520 miles of mixed motoring, a couple of short trips uh, round the doors here at home and then a long trip up to the northeast, some running around up there and back again, uh, we've averaged just under 34 miles to the UK gallon on petrol. The best we saw was that 40 miles to the gallon, which was hybrid assisted in the 200 and odd miles up to the northeast on Maitley Motorway at 65 to 70 miles an hour. Again, let me make this clear. I am not criticising Audi nor this car. It does everything that you would expect it to do more than adequately. I just wonder if I wouldn't have been better with a full diesel to do the long trip and probably get 45 or closer to 50 miles to the gallon and for my short running around um have a full electric car and now that means you've bought two cars rather than one and then there's the balance of 
you know, what resources you're putting into that. So as I said, it's a conundrum. But let's not lose sight of the fact that this Audi Q7 55 TFSIE Quattro is a stonking piece of kit. Um, Audi have not taken their eye off the ball. Um, They are rolling back a little bit from the amount of full EVs that they are going to be producing. That's been driven by a slowing down in demand. Whether we've started to hit the upper levels of uh, full EV consumer demand or not, only time will tell. But quite clearly, there is a place for this car, particularly for those people who do shorter runs, 12, 15 miles each way, and use a little bit of petrol, and you can plug it back in at home. And if you set off on a longer journey with a full 30-ish mile battery, then you are going to see better miles to gather. By the way, when I did that... um, 30 mile round trip to the supermarket at one stage I was shown 273 miles to the gallon as I was coming back home the engine just fired up for the last two and a half three miles or or thereabouts so that is what you're talking about and that is the benefit of this type of car Audi still do what they do very very well this is undoubtedly an Audi. It undoubtedly has forward thinking. Forward through technology is still the Audi mantra. And let's hope they stay like that. Whatever the future of motoring is, having a choice to be able to buy a car like this, a big A6 estate would do probably 90% of what this car does. But there's no doubt that sitting up this high and being in this car... It was like I'd gone round the corner to the post office and back after 250 miles. I jumped out the car. I could have turned round and driven straight back down the road and probably would have if we hadn't booked, already booked a, a hotel. It's incredibly comfy and relaxing to drive. And that says a lot about the thought that's gone in to this Audi. Let's hope we can continue to buy cars like this, that we continue to have the choice and that Audi continue to put their heart and soul into these cars it's an audi it's an audi for right now an audi to a certain extent with a petrol engine and synthetic fuels around the corner plus the ability to charge it up for about 30 miles it's an audi that's for now but also it's going to work in the future Another real-world road test. Check out more at RadioLeMond.com. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.